Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call. Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. There was like a reputation that Persian kids had at school of being like hairy and being gross and blah, blah, blah. I had actually hooked up with a white guy. I think it was 10th grade. And he had said to me, don't tell anybody because he was so embarrassed that he had got in with the Persian girl. Kissing on me and look on me. Sniffing at my dress, wanna take it off of me, yeah, looking at me, thinking about me, thinking about the things that you wanna do to me, yeah. Um, um am I allowed to curse? Or should oh, I yeah. try to Yeah, well, okay. have you not listened to our podcast? <laughs> like, I've listened to a couple. I listened to um Sasha's dream one. And he was like, I, I don't recall him cursing in that one. So I was like, oh. I guess we don't curse enough during our episode. <laughs> I'll throw that in there. No, I think he was very awkward, maybe. Yeah, right. He is. I feel like I like, he sounds familiar. So many of the people, a few people on your show sounded so familiar to me. But like my like high school has been this like whole like blur. Like I feel like I wasn't even a real person <laughs> in high school. Yeah, so, I know. I, I feel the same. So me and ariel well i guess you don't remember me but i remember you in high school you were a grade below me but first i guess let's do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners and then we'll like you know dive into your whole cool um my name is mommy moon my birth name is ariel i usually go by that because i get sort of awkward (laughs) going by mommy moon i'm a singer song writer and musician from los angeles and I'm on the Persian podcast, and on the Persian Girl podcast, I'm so excited. <laughs> Welcome. I'm Thank excited you. to have you. Every time I see your, like, screen name, Mommy Moon, I think of that song, Mommy Blue. <laughs> and it's, like, it's been stuck in my head all week. That's way so. better than people singing The Little Mermaid when I tell them, my name is Ariel. Oh, God. Yeah, that's really annoying. <laughs> Wait, so I thought it was just your music name, but is like... Uh, yeah, Mommy Moon is like what I go by for any music endeavors, okay. but I'm still getting used to calling myself that. I just feel so awkward for some reason. So where did you get the name for the, the inspiration for your name? It was first um, just Moon. And then, because I just love the moon, then I realized that that's like an awful name to have when it comes to Googling an artist. So I just kind of threw something in front of it and it just worked. My mom is Israeli. And so that's kind of like how they say, like they'll say, hey, mommy, kind of like, hey, boo. Yeah. So I just threw that in there. 
And I it think it's, it's the first time on the podcast where we have someone whose mom is also Israeli like me. No, right. I, now I don't uh-huh. have to say it anymore. <laughs> Stop being annoying and like mentioning it every two seconds. Like I, I have like Tourette's. Consequence out. Yeah, you missed the the like time of the podcast where Natalie would like scream to tell people that her mom was Israel. Now she's traumatized from everyone making fun of her. But this is actually a very exciting, groundbreaking moment. Yay. Literally, like people who've like reviewed our podcast, like I, I always like try to tell people like who DM us that say they love the podcast. I'm like, oh great, like if you love it, like just show support. Like go on like the apple podcast app like review subscribe and give us a rating and like after like the reviews that i've seen i'm like maybe i don't want them reviewing anymore because they always say nice things about millie like Millie's <sighs> such an intellectual and natalie she just interrupts a lot like now she just stop <laughs> talking and let millie talk more and i'm like oh no <laughs> oh no yeah reviews are dangerous i feel like if i had a business or something i don't know if i would have a yelp situation going because <laughs> Yeah. I work at a real estate company and one of our reviews is talking about two of our employees and they go, blah, 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 aren't uh, skilled enough to work at a McDonald's, let alone a oh real my estate God. company. And I'm like, oh my God. I have had so many people come for me in Yelp reviews. I worked before the pandemic. I was working at a cafe for like two years and at the time I had my hair dyed like a bright orange and my hair is like super long so like it was very easy to identify me there was no (laughs) one else on the staff that had long orange hair and this one lady like wrote a review and she's like I saw the girl with the orange hair walk out of the bathroom and she pulled her phone out from under her dress I was like bitch (laughs) wow I can't believe anyone who doesn't even work there would care about so extra you using your phone for using my phone in the bathroom I didn't have a pocket I improvised but there were so many like people people really come at people with the reviews um I had like one lady write literally guys like a page and a half email about me saying a horrible thing she was like her hair is so oily like rude ass shit I wash my I have to wash my hair every day my hair is never oily she was fucking on something but she wrote this whole thing and like I had to have a meeting with the staff and then I was like I'm gonna find out who this lady is so I saw in the email that they had printed out they had her name and I was like I'm gonna go ask my coworkers who this bitch is and they're like oh it's that one lady and I was like oh do you mean the one that has a crush on my coworker that I'm always like fucking around and having fun with and they're like yeah I was like there it is <laughs> reviews are so frustrating I like I'm so glad that's not really a thing within the music industry (laughs) like there's no yell page for musicians for people to like shit on me but yeah well there are music critics exactly that's like what i just popped into my head when i was like there's no yelp but there is there is a yelp for me yeah there's like major publications (laughs) yikes yikes we'll get there we'll get there Yeah, but you want that anyways. Like that would yeah, be definitely. exciting. That would be very I, exciting. I mean cuz you you're like up and coming, so I would love if I got like a really bad review totally. even. Yeah, do, do I would you be like wow, there, there's so much you know there's what? so many fish in the sea that you actually wanted to write a terrible review about the me. The other like, day like you can through my website you can like send me a message or whatever and 
I finally, I was so excited about this that I finally got my first hater. This girl like messaged, messaged me. She was like, why are you so ugly? And then messaged me the next day and she was like, well, why is your music so bad? And I was like, this is amazing. Oh my God. Right, that's how me and Millie <laughs> This bitch really me. took the time. <laughs> when we first started the podcast, like way in the beginning, it was like mm-hmm. episode one came out. We had one fucking episode and this guy wrote the meanest review and I kind of want to read it. I feel like we've read it on episodes before though, but he just mm-hmm. like calls us like vapid trash, like petty like i don't know all this like bullshit and me and millie were like oh my god we're getting traction like this means that like people <laughs> yeah that's when we do i don't think they realize like how flattering it is like yeah because we seriously really thought funny. nobody was listening and nobody cared i'm like oh my god someone cared enough to tell us exactly. how much they hate it and exactly. to take the time to like write this long ass paragraph exactly I was so well so speaking of haters, um, it's really <laughs> exciting for me to have someone on the podcast who mm-hmm. went to Beverly Hills High School, like mm-hmm. pretty much at the same time as me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, no, I'm, I'm curious, like, what was your experience like at that school? High school was really a crazy time. I like was kind of me seeing me in high school was a bit of a rare sighting I like had my little um rebellious stage started I think like freshman year um it was also just like a hard time for me in general which was um also the time that I started like taking music really seriously um my parents started getting divorced in my in the beginning or the summer of eighth grade and it wasn't settled until even like years after high school. So when that happened, I kind of just, because music was like that safe space for me, I just like turned my whole entire focus towards that. Um, and so I was definitely in a very much rebellious headspace. So I would just like, my mom would kind of just like drop me off at the bus station I would take the bus the Wilshire bus down and like you could get off the bus and go to school but I would just stay on the bus and go to the beach and just sit there and songwrite and like dream about the things that I wanted to do obviously not going to school was like so freaky for my mom I think that was like the first kind of thing that I did of many other things that would would have happened in the had happened in the future um that kind of like made my mom that was like the first introduction to like my daughter is not going to be the same as the other girls in the community and that was how did she find out that you weren't going to like I was I also ditched a lot but like I had actually figured out a system where I would like pick up every time the attendance <laughs> office called and hang up. <laughs> so my parents didn't know for like almost I don't, like over a semester they didn't know. Yeah. So. Um, I was. Really? I think it was. That's that's a great technique. I that's that's a really good one. I think that I, I honestly just like didn't care. The rebellious like headspace that I was in was so so strong that I just didn't give a shit I would like openly do these things and so it was just I have so many like memories of like administration trying to get me to get it together they would have like these group meetings they put me in LI do you guys remember what that was yeah it's like you just stay in a classroom Mm -hmm. and you like do packet all day and like no one gives a shit what you're doing and so they put me there 
and then I still wasn't doing my work. So then they put me in the continue in Moreno. Oh my god, guys! That was oh, like you were in Moreno. Yes, yes. For like, I think I went in tenth grade, and like, whatever everybody was saying about that part of the school is fucking true. <laughs> it was so crazy. It was like I thought. So I well, let's tell. For the listeners, like who aren't <laughs> Beverly Hills degenerates, um, Mariko was like a your co-host. Also. <laughs> yeah, also for now. I'm like sitting here. Like, I, I feel bad. We're like really leaving you out here, but this is like, what are these things? Okay, go so on. So Mariko was a, a continuing education program within the high school that we were at. That was for people, basically. I actually think there were people there who, you know, were capable and intelligent, but it was for it was anyone addicted to heroin or pregnant, basically. Yes. Yeah. So there were, there were groups. There was like the druggies. Um, I didn't do drugs. I smoked a lot of weed. Like I had discovered weed and like, I loved that shit. So I was, we'll get into that too, but there was like the druggies and then there was the kids who just like didn't give a fuck and didn't want to be at school um and then there was like a couple fucking arabian princes and princesses oh yeah um, oh my yeah, god i remember dude. that whoa they would that just like so show up like once a week in these nice ass fits and just like just show up and sit there with like their arms crossed and like that's it um then there yeah there's all types of people for me again it was just like i had this whole other idea of like what I wanted to do and so I would just kind of go into the class and at that time I had just gotten into um electronic music and so I had found this um collective of producers that was called the We Did It Collective I don't know if you guys have heard of them before but I would just like print out articles on all of these guys and then just like spend my time reading them and like read about Amy Winehouse I read Amy Winehouse's book there um and they just left me the fuck alone i would just like read about artists and do that um i became friends with this girl who like um her mom smoked weed too so and she was also in that program and so i would like the days that i would go to school i would go early and we would i would meet up with her <laughs> and i would hide weed we'd hide weed in the alley in a little ziploc bag like literally fucking like hide it in the bush and then on our breaks we would go and we would smoke and come back and like the teachers just would not say anything to us um at that point because weed for like moreno was like coffee like that was like it was like okay fine it's just like you know they left me alone because i i mean they knew that i was like harmless like I wasn't doing like anything any type of crazy drugs or bringing drugs on campus or anything I just didn't care I just didn't give a fuck I was super just angry I had a lot of friends that were outside from outside of the community and so I just became very disturbed and upset at the level of privilege of the people around me um my parents also not raising me the way a lot of the other girls that I was around at school um, also created like a resentment towards them. Um, I remember just like this like group of girls, like I guess popular, whatever the fuck that means, popular (laughs) girls would like go out every day to get lunch after school at these like fancy ass restaurants. And I couldn't go because 
I, my parents didn't treat me that way, I guess. Um, and so I just couldn't go and I just always felt super left out and I would kind of just try to like hop on the bus and like get out of Beverly Hills and hang out with different kinds of people. And I just really started to, I think just recently I kind of just like had to learn to accept where I come from because I definitely developed a lot of anger and resentment towards the people around me and still to this day it's like I still have friendships with people that are um, really privileged and I grew out of that not fully by choice Um, and so yeah I guess even like talking about growing up there I kind of just get a little like because I feel like it just really doesn't I just don't identify with it and it just it really does create um this like block I put between myself and my childhood um also considering my parents divorce taking so many years it like definitely not (laughs) too deep on here but it definitely like broke my entire family apart so it was like we weren't really seeing my cousins or my grandparents or my aunts and uncles and things like that anymore. So it very much so I came felt like there was a certain point in my childhood where things just like rapidly changed from money to like family and who I had around me. Um, I remember my freshman year because I got like super depressed because of what was going on. I was like in a group of friends with these girls. And one day one of them said to me like, we can't be friends with you anymore because um, there's just too much drama. Like it's too much and it's really sad and like, we can't deal with it. And so, yeah, it was crazy. And it was like, <laughs> For the people who can't see it, my eyes yeah, are Yeah, should I, should I at them right now? They're probably listening. Fuck you, bitches. Oh um, <laughs> I love some, it. This is what our podcast like, is here for. There's something about <laughs> Persian people not being able to be a shoulder to cry on like they don't know how to be like i was reading this article too about how um in the persian community it's like mental health is something that's not discussed at all and it's also looked down upon like we really are expected to just like put on a face of makeup and act like everything's okay and i wasn't Mm -hmm. gonna fucking do that like i i wasn't gonna do that i had I was going through so much that I had very limited energy and I was definitely going to put that energy into being creative and being myself and not like trying to act a certain type of way to make people think that I'm okay. I was like, not, you know? Um, and I think well, that, sorry. Go, no, uh, no, go on. Finish your thoughts. Sorry. I just, sometimes I think about if I like, even though it was like the most, not the most painful time, but it was an extremely painful time just seeing like my family break apart and my brothers hurting and things like that. I am like kind of grateful for it because it really did get me to like look around and be like, I hate this. And this is not like a community that I want to be part of. And it's, it that's not in specific to like Iranian people. Like I actually, now it's so cool. I get so excited when I like meet another Persian girl that's like, you know, a little different than the ones I grew up yeah. around. I'm like, oh my God, like we're like actually sisters, not fake sisters, you know? <laughs> Sometimes um, Persians who like kind of always like focused on leaving the community and, and like kind of never felt 100% part of it. They're almost hesitant to connect with another Persian because like first they want to like vibe check you and be like oh wait 
are you different like me too or are you a typical person because if you're a typical person that's what I spent my whole life like escaping from exactly last night I was at like a party in Brooklyn and it was it was a lot of Persians from Great Neck and like when I mentioned like them from Great Neck and like my mom's restaurant they're like oh we know that restaurant whatever it was like this whole thing and then I told one of them I'm like oh follow my podcast called Persian Girl Podcast and he like scoffs at me and he's like oh that's like what I spent my whole life trying to escape from and now you want me to like listen to your podcast I'm like no no my podcast is about escaping it like you don't understand yeah like, definitely. Just, it's like, so, so funny um yeah it was pretty funny I really feel that I think that I did that for a very long time and it wasn't until like four years ago where I was like I'm going to reclaim myself as an Iranian woman and identify with the parts of it that I want so it's like that that's where like the video came in hand too is like I'm gonna be who I am I'm gonna embrace it it's tomorrow I'm making like a Persian feast for all of my friends for my friend's birthday and like it's crazy to think that I'm going to be inviting over non-Persian friends and feeding them this meal when there was a time where I would eat my Persian food in the bathroom to avoid getting bullied and avoid, you know, having comments made at me for like what I was eating and how it smelled and how it looked and stuff. Yeah, that's so. something I love about now is that everyone like wants to be, I don't want to say not white. Yeah. No, no one wants to be white. younger, everyone wants to be white. Everyone's like, mom, make me a tuna fucking sandwich right. on white toast for lunch. Don't give me fucking gourmet sabzi. Like, please, like, yeah. grind to your mom. Like, please make me something normal. And, yeah. like, now that you're older, my friends are like, I remember even in high school it started. Like, my friends would be like, stealing my gondi from like my like plastic <laughs> container like taking my last piece of tadik and i would stare at them and be like what the fuck bro and they'd be like, you think you're doing oh, like, Persian food is so good I can't yeah but you don't know the some. etiquette <laughs> <laughs> even but, now yeah. i'll like go to a persian restaurant call taro fuck it up of, right <laughs> i'll see like a bunch of white people at persian restaurants and i'm like you would have bullied me and you're so quiet yeah now. Fuck yeah you. now <laughs> enjoy the dinner <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Well, so the video you're mentioning, um, you just came out with a music video for your song Kissing on Me. We were talking about yes. it before we started recording and there's this mm-hmm. like, or maybe, yeah, tell tell us a little bit about the video. Okay, yeah. So the video, um, I'll start with like talking about the song. The song is a super promiscuous song um, where there's a guy who's, you know, just trying to to get at me and is being like overly emotional and I just want it to be a platonic situation and being able to even write a song like that considering um what my culture is is a a bit crazy and I think not everybody would understand but maybe women who do also come from like an Iranian household um it's a bit crazy um and I think for a really long time I like was so felt like feeling sexy and felt like talking about sex was so wrong um my mom was like super strict growing up super super strict growing up um I had to like do the thing where I take like a change of clothes with me um to school so that I could change into like something that I felt comfortable in and I just like for a very very long time just felt like I was wrong for like wanting to have sex or like having thoughts like that. 
and then also there was like a reputation that Persian kids had at school of like being like hairy and being gross and blah 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 I had actually hooked up with a white guy I think it was 10th grade and he had said to me don't tell anybody because he was so embarrassed that he had got in with the Persian girl and at that point I mean my self-esteem was so low and I think there was like just like a day where I kind of like woke up and I was like you're hot okay (laughs) I don't know what the fuck like has been put in your head because of the you know the kids that you've been surrounded by and then just ever since there I just started to like really just embrace myself um again referencing back to Amy Winehouse she was so like sensual in her songwriting and so provocative and that inspired me too I started being able to write about that stuff um and so, yeah, the video, this being able to just write a song like that is exciting for me. And the fact that I kind of told myself, like, yes, my mom is going to hear this and my brothers are going to hear this. I don't give a fuck. And that's like very freeing for me. Very, very freeing for me because my whole life I was dreaming so big and I had to put a cap on a lot of my dreams because I felt like I wouldn't be allowed to do certain things or say certain things. Finally seeing like Iranian female artists pop up like Snow Allegra and Stelda Vesa like have been so exciting for me because that's not what I grew up you know I did not grow up seeing brown women become successful artists but yeah so then the video the song is so sexy but I'm such a fucking clown and a geek and like so awkward and and stupid so I was like I cannot I'm not about to make like a sensual music video to this and I just wanted it to be me like I just wanted the video to be all those adjectives that I just used to describe myself and from the feedback that I've been getting for it that's exactly what people have been kind of people who know me have been telling me was that I really like emanated the person that I am in the video so there is like elements of me like feeling myself and there's also elements of me you know acting like a clown and being like really stupid and then there's the um scene which you were referencing to um in which I'm kind of sitting and it's like kind of like a picnic scene um, and I'm arranging, you could say it's kind of like mukbang. (laughs) I really am doing some like eating SMR, but you just can't hear it. Um, But I'm just eating a bunch of tadig and and Uh rice and gourmet sabzi and kebab and all of these foods that I grew up eating, being ashamed of eating. And like, I was like, I'm going to eat this on a fucking camera and have as many people, you know, however many people watch it. And that was just so empowering for me because I vividly remember myself eating on a toilet in middle school because I was so embarrassed of the food that I was eating. They would literally look at it and be like, that looks like diarrhea. I was like, your mom doesn't season your food. (laughs) You know, and I just eat, like, it's just, it was really exciting for me. I mean, obviously they were talking about Fessenger, right? Yes, which is my favorite one, actually. Um, But yeah, that was a really exciting scene for me. It was definitely my favorite one to shoot. I was like, can we do that scene again? Can we do that shot again? Because I just wanted to keep eating it. It really is a great video. Like, I'm not just saying that. I feel like it was filmed really well. I really liked your eye makeup. Like, I feel like, yeah, like, great job. Thank you. Um, It was really exciting to do. I'm really happy with it. I can say that I'm so happy with it. I don't feel that way about like every like video that I put out, but I was really excited about this one for sure. Yeah, and we'll, uh, the link will be in the description of the episode for anyone listening to check yeah, it out. Check it out. <laughs> there, it goes. there goes my phone. My phone is like... 
that. It's like full of uh, yeah, regarding, really fun video to do. Uh, the whole food aspect of your video. Number one, I love that you included that. Um, Thank you. Like thinking back on it, like, I don't think about it all the time. But thinking back on it, it almost pisses me off that like suddenly all these like kids that were making fun of our food and calling us smelly and whatever like now they're like oh yeah like i love gourmet sabzi like i go to colbert whatever i don't know whatever crazy restaurants <laughs> they decided to go to oh i go there all the time and i get the teddy and i'm like you should have to pay extra to eat right. food after the way you-, you can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type. Type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. <laughs> like, fucked with us and made us feel bad about it when we were younger and, like, yeah. traumatized us. Like, you Absolutely. should have to pay extra. It's kind of like um, uh, my boyfriend, whenever a guy hits on me at an event that he throws, mm-hmm. he's like, give me his name. Next time he buys a ticket, he's paying extra. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's what you should do to fucking white kids who go to Persian restaurants. Like, pay extra for all the torture you put us through. They're like sitting in there. I'm like, you're very quiet now. <laughs> Another like thing I'm thinking of when you mention the guy who was like, yeah, don't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, at Beverly for sure, there was like a huge stigma against being Persian. I know that like some Persians were able to transcend that, but I feel like it was only exactly. through a lot of money and having like a like. A specific last name, um, and then like how this is so weird for me to hear as someone who didn't go to Beverly because I always pictured, I had so many cousins that went there. I always pictured like Persians were like they like ruled, ruled the, school. Mm-hmm. the school and the community in general. Like I didn't know you guys went throughout like that much. Uh, like well, so this is exactly this the when I was saying I was talking about Beverly like recently it was actually about the different kind of persians that were there Mm -hmm. and um you know of course like for compared to our parents or like my parents who were uh going to high school in america like the this was in the 70s persians were not like ruling anything you know what i mean like especially in places like great neck or beverly hills like we were still making our way there it was not now we're like in a different era where you could say I mean, yeah, anytime someone who's not from L.A. like comes here, they're like, wait, Persians like run this place. Like, you know, that's immediately like. So, of course, there is that aspect where like we are we've populated it like we (laughs) own a lot of real estate and things like that. Um, But there was still I think you could like there were separate categories. I think there were the Persians who they still had an inferiority complex and they did they were bullied for being persian or whatever and like they maybe because they exhibited that weakness that they were affected by it and then there were other persians who almost like kind of understood how to like assimilate into this not that i wasn't assimilated but like somehow they knew how to like it's kind of like people who would really know how to like imitate like corporate culture as soon as they get into a certain company like they know like what is like company culture that sounds like so toxic right but it was like 
who they i hate to say white but like they knew how to like pick up on these white character traits and then they blended in really well and they had up they had like they felt very superior yeah um so i don't yeah i didn't fall in into that part i was like definitely feeling so funny as you're always i definitely like i see the like or at least through my experience all these people that you're describing i'm seeing like my version of those people if that makes sense like yeah when you're describing like the girl who like picked up on like the white people traits and surrounded herself by only white people and then had the nice party house like i know who that is you know what i mean so that that's really real and i think it was definitely broken up into like all these little subcategories you know what i mean like there were the persian kids that would sit in the cafeteria and then there were the persian kids who would kind of disperse around like the little courts and like eat with their best friend and then there were the persian kids who were at the front lawn and those are the you know the like persian kids that like fit in with the white kids kind of thing um and that's really real and i actually i like found myself not ever fitting into any one of those groups and still to this day i kind of am like that that person who like doesn't really have like a main group of friends um and I appreciate that about myself because I think that even through high school I just talked like I didn't focus on talking to the people who I thought would you know invite me to parties and stuff like I had like friends that were like major nerds I had like foreign friends that like barely spoke English um things like that and so I I do appreciate that I think that it was int- like I think being going to that school did maybe more good than harm because I was like fuck this <laughs> like fuck this place where are like my like people at where can I find people like me and it really just like I feel like a lot of people who are from that community just either stay in that community or don't really have the uh, haven't really been pushed to like find themselves they don't and they so- basically don't have social skills like this right, is what I've I've right. realized like I thought I would be socially stunted by having all these awful experiences, but I was like, no, this is a blessing. Like I actually have like a really diverse set of friends and like these people that I know who were whatever more like alpha in, in like the high school setting, like Mm -hmm. they can't socialize outside of their friend group. Like if you know what I mean, like they can't travel alone or like hold a conversation with someone. And now I'm, I feel so sorry for them. Mm -hmm. Not for myself. I agree. I feel that at this point, I'm like so adaptable that I could have a conversation with anybody or be put in a room full of people of anybody and just find a way to connect or find something in common, Um, which I appreciate for a very long time. I like really felt like I had to be quiet about who I was, especially growing up. I mean, everybody's in everybody's business. And so it was like, my parents got divorced um, and then my cousin passed away when she was, I think she was 14 or 15. She had a brain tumor. Um, And then shortly after that, my mom had cancer. And so everybody knew all this stuff about me. I was, you know, bouncing around from continuation school to different programs and blah, blah, blah. And I was just so fucking uncomfortable because people would like constantly look at me with these sad eyes and it would make me so uncomfortable. And that was a big part of like why I didn't show up to school was because I just like felt like everybody felt so bad for me when in reality I was like, I'm good. I'm experiencing real life things right now. <laughs> you know, I'm mm-hmm. experiencing turmoil and difficult things. And because of that, 
I'm gonna like break out of this little like bubble that all of you guys are living in. I've experienced things that, you know, a lot of the people around me hadn't kind of felt like everybody around me just like their parents were married and like everything was good and you know yeah, but everything's not good like I sometimes I ask my mom questions and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's things she knows about people in the community that like not necessarily everyone knows um and like I just like cringe a lot of the time like I remember one time I asked my mom like my mom's like oh there's almost a 20 age uh a uh, 20 year age difference between this woman we know and her husband and I'm like why did she marry someone so old and she's like oh well she was married once before but then she got divorced and when you're a young divorced girl in the Persian community you don't have a lot of options so she had to marry someone way older than her who was still single and I'm like yeah. okay yeah. and my mom's like yeah I know it sounds crazy but like this is what happens and like um there's another example of whose husband openly cheated on her all the time. And she was really miserable. And I asked my mom, why didn't she leave him? And she said her parents didn't let her leave him. Well, first of all, this woman, um, I'm like, why'd she even marry him? And she's like, basically, she wasn't the most beautiful girl. Like she was cute, okay? But she had epilepsy and in the Persian community, as soon as people find out you have a disease, you don't have a lot of options. So her father offered this Persian guy, he's like, I'll pay your way through med school if you marry my daughter, because she has epilepsy and nobody really wants to marry her. So she married this guy, her father paid his way through med school, and then like they have kids together, he's cheating on her all the time, she wants to leave him. Her father said, you're not allowed to divorce him because you have sons and no one's gonna marry your sons if they're the children of a divorce. So you have to be miserable and stay married for the sake of your children. And I was just like looking at my mom and I'm like, these stories are real. And she's like, yeah, I know. She's like, yeah, I they know. really are. It's really, they it's sound really crazy. They sound so crazy. My mom just like looks at me and laughs. And she's like, she's like, this is real life in the community. Yeah. Like, I had crazy. another cousin who down. she had cancer as well. She was, she was an adult though, but her parents made sure that nobody outside of like the close family found out because then nobody would want to marry her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. my parents would because kind then of God say, forbid you're not a good fit for childbearing because you're just going right. to give birth to unhealthy children. Right. And my parents too, before, you know, they got divorced and everything, they would always kind of tell me like, you know, make sure you like find a guy who has like a good family and they're married and like, he has a good job, blah, blah, blah and all this stuff and now here I am with divorced parents with like (laughs) tattoos all over my body like you know like working like part-time jobs like hustling to do what I can to like follow my dreams um I yeah it's like I think I could have very much so got caught in like the things that were expected of me and I just can't imagine how miserable I would be if I did that like it's there's like it's hard to like break out of it and it's hard to get you know feel like you're disappointing your parents and things like that but it's also hard to not fully be yourself so it's kind of like pick which hard you want you know what I mean and I just I definitely feel like a lot happier being able to be myself and be this person um I think every little (laughs) I was I saw my little brother um the other day and he was like, um, he's like, yeah, like I came home the other night with like a fake nose piercing because I 
I want one and I wanted to see how mom would react. And she saw and she went to her room. She didn't talk to me until the next day when I admitted it was fake. And I was like, I was like, wow, like, like, couldn't be me. And I just like joked with them. I was like, no, you just gotta like break the ice. You gotta do one thing and then you can do whatever you want. So like for me, it was like, I started like not going to school and then I started dyeing my hair crazy colors. And then I started getting tattoos and stuff and every single thing that I did, it wasn't like a smooth sailing. Like that's something that I think my close friends who like know a little bit more about like my, we'll call it tumultuous relationship with my parents is that it's, it's like, it's not that they don't care and I get to just like freely do whatever I want. There's consequences to everything. Like I, they don't support me financially because they'll throw at me like, oh, you're just going to go use the money on a tattoo. And so it's like, I made the choice to like go ahead and I was like, I want more tattoos. I'm going to get them, but I'm going to have to suffer the consequences of like not getting help on, on rent or any of my creative stuff. And like, it was a really big choice, but I'm happy with the choices that I made. I like feel like I can fully be myself. Like my mom saw the kissing on me music video and I know that she loved it. And it's just like, even at this point, like after everything, both of my parents have kind of just like told me that they like really appreciate like how different, I am and it those moments like when they do like put their 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 guards down and say things like that to me is really nice because I it was like really really hard to just feel like I was doing wrong by them by being me you know um but yeah (laughs) Um, no I mean that's that's I don't know I'm kind of shocked you're saying that after what you know that you're saying that you kind of you tested what they would accept of you and and I'm surprised that they came around and would say that because I I was talking to my friend and he he told me something that I've heard from other people before it has nothing to do with necessarily having Iranian parents but he said that the times where his mother would say oh I had such a good time with you today or oh you were so good today like was when he didn't say anything and when he was quiet and it's like he felt it's like well you only appreciate me when I don't even show who I am so what kind of you know what I mean what kind of relationship is that so I'm I'm yeah I'm happy for you that with like what you know what I mean even though you're you're doing things that tested your relationship there yeah, no, definitely. Because I was that was kind of gonna be my follow-up question was like, where do you look for support to be confident in these decisions? Because like not a lot of people can do that. Mm-hmm. I just have I think I've dealt with like battling myself so much and fighting who I am, whether it comes to like um body image or mental health issues or anything like that and it's like I can't be quiet like I've tried to be the the person who's quiet and keeps to themselves and I tried to do that in high school and it just like I felt so small and I don't want to feel that way I have opinions and I have you know goals in a way that I like to live my life and so that's what I do and I try to like really really through my art, I really try to like encourage other people to, to do the same because like I can confidently say that I love who I am. Like I just like, if I was like a whole other person, like I would want to be who I am's friend right now. And I, I feel that if I didn't break out of like 
feeling like I had to hide who I was or just a lot of things that were said to me, like whether it was like things from my parents or whether it was a white kid telling me to make sure nobody finds out that I hooked up with him, like things like that. It was like, I'm not going to kind of let people like strip away the qualities that I like in myself. And I kind of, throughout high school, I kind of just kind of told myself like, don't be worried about what other people are thinking about you. Everybody's too busy worrying about what everybody's thinking about them and just be who you are. Um, and I think that doing that, I started to like attract amazing people who just encouraged me to be who I am. And at this point in my life, it's like, I'm very, very happy with the people that I have around me. It's like, even with the video, it was, I had been like just writing ideas and notebooks and drawing pictures for like eight months. And it was like ideas, but having like a support system allows me to actually bring those things into fruition. Um, and so, yeah, that's, it's like been such a big long journey, you know, like I mentioned those girls that I was best friends with, like leaving my side during the roughest, you know, a really rough time. And I've had like friend groups and people that I've had to let go of and come in, you know, just, pull out the scissors and chop off, you know, relationships that I had with people for 10 years when I, you know, finally realized that they weren't serving me and they were trying to almost like felt threatened by how confident I was with who I am, that I noticed them kind of just trying to like shut me down and pull parts of me away. Um, and now I'm just kind of rambling. <laughs> no, um, honestly, I love your ramblings. Like you have, just I don't know. Listening to you. Oh, thanks, guys. Trust um, me, I, I interrupt people a lot during episodes. So <laughs> if I'm just like sitting here quietly, it's because I'm really enjoying it. That's sweet. But I, I do think all of those things like tie into that music video. It's like, it's so hard. I, I mean, the first time I filmed the video, I have a really hard time with body image as well. And so then to like feel like the camera is like right in front of your face is like a very intense thing. Um, and in this video, I finally just like, I feel like I really like fully let go in this one. Like I had so much fun. I was watching like behind the scenes videos and I'm just like laughing and like so happy and having such a good time. Whereas when I watched the behind the scenes for the first video I did, I was like really like a lot more nervous and stuff. And so I'm just so happy with how this one came out because it was everything that I wanted it to be um, from like being able to just be free and jump around in front of the camera without having to worry about the way that my body looks or my face looks or you know have to ask not you know let's not shoot from this angle because that's my double chin angle and this is my bad side it was like fuck all of that I just like wanted to film a video that allowed me to like fully be myself and so when I'm like getting text messages from friends right now saying like that video was just so you like blah 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 it just like makes me want to cry because it's like that's exactly what I wanted to do and I know that if I was to um see somebody else do that it would inspire me to like do the same thing and so I could like you know talk a lot in my Instagram captions about be yourself and blah 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 but it was nice to have like a visual like I just feel with like my music and with my videos I always just want you know like regardless of whether it's like a happy song or if it's you know talking about something heavy to in, in emotional, um, instrumental. I just always want people to feel differently than they did when they first watched the video. Like I wanted to make some sort of impact. And when I, um, when the editor like finally sent me the last draft and I had to just approve that one, we made so many changes. We did like a bunch of drafts. 
I just like watched and I just like sat there for a second. I was like, I feel, I feel, I feel <laughs> stuff. And that was great because that's exactly what I wanted um, for other people. So um, it's been really nice like getting feedback the past couple of days. Um, and I'm glad that I got to talk about it with you guys too because there was so much like emotion and depth that really went into the video like it, you know it looks like it's just like the the scene in which I'm eating it looks like I'm just like uh stuffing food in my face but then like being able to now explain why I decided to like use those foods and why I decided you know wanted to like set up the space is like because I'm claiming being a Persian woman again and it was something that I ran away from for so long for so long so it was really exciting and doing this is really exciting and I really am happy to be a part of the Iranian community because it really is such a beautiful culture um and yeah <laughs> yes I'm so happy we're like the debut of discussing the video and yeah, yeah, yeah. like love yeah, to hear about it it's so beautiful especially like it makes me so happy I think all of us the older we got the more we realized we don't have to completely disassociate from being Persian and disclaim it mm -hmm. just because there's certain parts of the community that we don't like. We can still claim the things we like and, and openly say there are certain things we don't like. We don't have to right. completely go like either one, zero or a hundred. Like we can like pick and choose. Um, 100%. And that's also something I learned as I got older, because like I used to always be like, oh, like I'm not part of the community. Like, oh, like I don't like things. I'm not like, like those like, girls. I'm not like that. It's like I feel like the really like popular phrase. Like, I'm not like other Persian typical Persian girl. Persian girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, My brother used to like make fun of me and like mock me and say that to me, and I was like, but I'm really not. So I, think he, I think he knows that now. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I your brother was in my game. I remember him. My brother is, that, me and my brother are like, kind of reminds me of my own brother. Yeah, I think the only thing that, not the one that's been on the podcast. Mm -hmm. for, I was, yeah. My older brother, I think the only thing that we have in common is that we're both such clowns. Like, he's, he's really funny. He's, <laughs> that was like the other thing within um, my household, or at least we lived with my mom. Um, and, I just like found comfort in knowing that my family was like so different from other people's families. Like we would openly like talk about like, and it took, this all happened like after it took me, I always tell my little brother, I'm like, you should be so thankful. Cause like when my mom found out I was smoking weed, like it was like the equivalent to like meth for her. Like she tripped the fuck out. Like it was like a whole big deal. And like now like there's edibles in the fridge at the house um wow my, my mom and my brother still live and so like I really just like I did that <laughs> I always tell him um you, you walked so they could run yes or, exactly that's the saying right exactly yeah. yeah my brother was like a really good easy kid growing up I mean I was the one that was like giving such a hard time um, I mean everyone knows the youngest kid always has it the easiest like yeah dude, you have an older um, brother I felt like he older was... brother and a little brother yeah so, like me and my older brother, we, like, we're not allowed to have sleepovers. We're not allowed to go out past, like, nine. Like, all these fucking, like, extra-ass rules that were just unnecessary. And then all of a sudden, my little brother has, like, his girl sleeping over and shit. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I did not get these privileges. So it's so true that a younger child always, like, has, like, a completely different experience. Also, though, I feel well. like after divorce 
kids are able to get away with more shit you guys because people are paying less attention <laughs> to you they're like busy yes. fighting over like i hate you no i hate you more yeah. i'm gonna prove to you how much i hate you in court and then yeah. like the kids like I am right. right. just in the corner. My um, <laughs> bystander just watching the like shit go down. My dad like, the house is like in flames. Downtown, he had a store in downtown LA, and so it was right off Wilshire as well. And so when I was at the bus stop, I mentioned earlier when we were talking that the bus could take me past the school and take me um, west to the beach. But it could also, if I just cross the street, I could get on the bus and go east and go to my dad's store. And he would not tell my mom because he didn't have any custody of me at the time. And so he barely saw me. And so me going there was like so exciting for him. So that was another way I took advantage of the divorce. I would just hop on the hop on um, the bus downtown LA and he'd give me a couple bucks and I'd go around Cynthia Alley and get myself stuff and then have to hide it when I go back home. He just oh wouldn't say anything to Love my mom. Cynthia Alley. Yes. Santi Ali was like Disneyland to me as a kid. Um, and I still love going going there because there are just a lot of stores that I would like go to as a little girl and stuff. And so they still recognize me. Um, there's like a Persian restaurant called Nayab's. And um, when I go there, they can still recognize me, which is really cute and makes me happy. Um, but yeah, definitely like when your parents are divorced, you can get away with a lot of shit. My parents would like have to leave to go to work to court early a lot of the times or go see their lawyers and so like I would just stay home like I would pretend like I like left to go to school but I I didn't I was still there (laughs) but he knew I definitely got away with a lot I have like so many fun stories of like all these like mischievous things that I did that I definitely want to do something with I feel like I might excuse me I might turn it into that's a good music video concept (laughs) Yeah, that was reliving my mischievous childhood. Um, yeah, <laughs> we covered so much, like so many themes and topics in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> so much to unpack. I, I um, have such bad ADHD that podcasts are so hard for me to listen to. But I hopefully shout out to people that that listen because <laughs> I can't do it. I like need some type of visual. But if you've listened this far, thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, um, and tell our listeners like where they could find your music and any yeah, upcoming things you have. Totally. Um, my socials on everything are the same. So it's Mommy Moon Music. Um, I talk a lot of shit on Twitter. I have zero filter. It's very bad. Um, I sometimes that. I get text messages from my friends that are like, you should probably do it. I'm like, eh. Whoa. Um, it's like me. Are you fo- <laughs> we need to follow each other. Yes, please. I'm so vulgar on there. It's really funny. Um, and yeah, Instagram, everything's the same. And then you can find my music on Spotify, iTunes, all of that. Um, definitely check. Everything's on my website too. So that's mommymoonmusic.com. Do you um, want to just I, spell it out? Because like, yeah, let's let's spell it. Like M A M I, M A M I, and then M O O N. So, okay. um, that's that. And I'm definitely I'm working on a bunch of new music that I'm hopefully going to put out next year. Um, so definitely be on the lookout for that. And other than that, go go stream the music so that I don't have to do these side jobs anywhere because they're not fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks so much for listening and definitely check out the video. And I'm um, I'd love when people reach out to me and tell me what they liked about it. So I'd love to hear that too.
Well, thank, thank you, you so much for coming. Thanks, guys. I had so much fun. I was a little bit nervous, but I'm not nervous anymore. <laughs> not at all. You were you were such a champ. I'm like, wait, is this her podcast? Like, stop. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to like look in the mirror after this and be like, Millie, are you interesting enough? <laughs> you guys are amazing. Thanks. I am blushing. Thanks, guys. Hopefully, when the pandemic's over, we can get some chai together. I would love yeah, that. I would, lo- I would love that. <laughs> you guys. Thanks All right. So Adolphus. 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 Bye. Bye. Geico presents Left Brain versus Right Brain. You know, we should switch to Geico. I'm picking up what you're putting down, buddy. We could save hundreds of dollars a year on car insurance. Ooh, with that kind of scratch, we can get the band back together for a reunion tour. A, we were never in a band. B, Glenn let us play the tambourine on stage one time. And C, we will, however, put that savings towards a new interview suit. Look what I found. Huh? Still got it. Oh, no. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Right now at Kohl's, it's the last-minute gift sale. Take an extra 20% off and save on kitchen must-haves. Get 25% off toys and get 20% off fragrance gift sets. Plus, get Kohl's cash. Plus, fast and free store pickup. Still not sure what to get? Our gift cards are always a great idea. Give with all your heart. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles 20% offer valid December 21st through December 24th with promo code RECEIVE20. Offers and coupons do not apply to toys and beauty. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.